Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast, where we help women grow godly relationships, grateful hearts, and grace-filled lives. I'm Jess, and I'm a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe that God creates us for relationships, relationship with Him and with each other. So if you're looking to love God well, to love yourself, your family, and those around you well, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome. We are here for episode eight. I'm standing here in our walk-in closet, which right now is doubling as my podcast recording studio. Very fancy, but it gets the best acoustics in the house. And I have my lovely hot cup of tea. It is lemon ginger. It is so delicious. We are all getting over colds and it is quite soothing on the throat. Um, plus, hey, frugal tip of the week, it's super flavorful, so I can save the tea bag and I'll use it again this afternoon. What, what? Part of loving my people well is not spending money that we don't need to spend. Anyway, there's my little spiel. I'm loving on my tea. I'm loving on the content that we are going to dig into for today's podcast episode, and I am loving on you. I'm so glad that you are here with us. So you're probably wondering, hmm, what am I here for, Jessica? What are we digging into? Today in episode eight, we are digging into the question of how do we love our family well? We're going to look at five practical strategies, action steps that we can and probably should take every single day with our family. But don't worry, it's not going to be like huge amounts of time. My goal is every single thing we talk about on this podcast is practical is realistic and is helpful. So if you missed episode seven, we were talking about what it means to love our family well and why that is important. Why when we're discouraged and we're fed up and we're frustrated and we're busy and we're overwhelmed, why does it matter if we really invest time and energy into loving our family well? And so check out that episode if you haven't listened yet, but today we're gonna dig into the how, the nuts and bolts. Now, I know with this topic of how do we love our family well, there are so many more than five action steps that are ultimately necessary if we're really going to love our family well, our husbands, our kids, our parents, our in-laws. We want to love these people well. And as a marriage and family therapist, you know what? I spend a ton of time digging into this question with people, looking at struggles they're facing in their family life, in their marriages, in their parenting, and then brainstorming together, working together to figure out ways to overcome those struggles or deal with those struggles and invest in the family relationships. So yes, there is a lot that we're not going to talk about today, but there are some really common themes, some really common areas that every single person If you want to love your family well, these are going to be five steps that are helpful for you. Before we dig into them, I'm going to give a quick disclaimer because I am a therapist, but this podcast is not therapy. Um, All of the resources from Love Your People Well, including this podcast, including all of our courses, all of our uh, materials, all of it is informational. So it's not personal advice to your specific situation, but we do have a page on the website which might provide some help and some guidance if you are curious about um, seeking professional counseling. That link will be in the show notes. But today... Let's dive in. My friend, we're talking about how to love our family well. Number one, strategy number one is time. 
We talk a lot about quality time. I am very confident you're familiar with that phrase. And yes, quality time is a big part of what it means to love our family well, that when we spend time together, at least some of that time is very intentional, is very relational. We're listening, we're sharing an experience together, we're doing something that both people enjoy. We're having quality interactions. But what I also want to hit on today is that part of loving our family well is quantity time. (laughs) You might have wonderful interactions with your daughter. And if that's only happening about every three or four weeks, you're probably not really going to have the relationship that you want to have. If those are the only interactions you're having with your daughter above and beyond, hey, put your phone down. Hey, come to dinner. Did you do your homework? What'd you learn at school today? Um, You don't need to have some deep mother-daughter date on Saturday afternoon, you know, every single day. That's probably not realistic, even though that quality time is really helpful and meaningful. But the more time that you spend, just quantity, amount of time that you are around your family members, the more likely it is that you're going to have a loving and caring and healthy relationship The reason being, you're going to be there for the ins and the outs. You're going to be there for the good and the bad. And another um, action step we'll talk about in a few minutes speaks into this because if that quantity time, it might not be big and deep and super meaningful, but if you're emotionally and mentally present with your person, your husband, your daughter, uh, your mom, whoever it is in your family, if you are emotionally and mentally present with them, on a super regular basis, that is going to bless your relationship. So our how strategy number one is time, quality time and quantity time. Both are necessary to love your family well. And this can be really easy to overlook with our family because we live in the same household. We probably do see each other every day. Although you are definitely not alone if there are entire days, maybe even entire weeks that go by that you're like ships in the night, you're just running from one activity to the other, your schedules are not lining up. Um, If that's really happening too often and for too long, that is going to hinder the quality of the relationship because we need to spend time together. And so even like I think about my husband and I, even sometimes at night, sitting on the couch, we're each on our laptops doing work or fun or whatever we might be doing, we're not necessarily talking. We're not necessarily um, even looking at each other, but we're together. Now, again, that, that can't be every interaction that we have or else we're really missing out on the quality time part of it. But that quantity time, knowing we are here together, we are physically close to each other, um, we're sharing this moment together, even if we're not engaging in the exact same activity, that is meaningful to the relationship. Okay, friends, strategy number two for how to love your family well is to use your words intentionally, to use your words well. Now I'm talking particularly, yes, about the actual words that come out of your mouth. Uh, We want them to be really embodied with the fruit of the spirit, right? You want your words to be patient. You want your words to be gentle to be compassionate and loving. You want your words to speak kindness and respect for your family members. Um, But you also want your tone of voice (laughs) to speak respect and patience and kindness because you can say 
all the right things. And you've probably had the experience where the words coming out of somebody's mouth might have sounded great. If you were just reading it on a piece of paper, you'd be thinking, man, that is like the best conversation of all time. But the tone of voice was not there. The body language was not there. And frankly, this is one of my favorite strategies to work on in marriage counseling um, and in family counseling. But it's so easy to think that if we're saying the right things, that that's enough. But, you know, you're sitting in the room with two people that maybe have some conflict, maybe have some tension, and it's really easy to witness and observe where the problem is coming from because somebody is sitting there rolling their eyes while they're talking or somebody is sitting there with their arms crossed, tapping their foot, looking at their watch, you know, just waiting for the conversation to be over. It does not matter what words are coming out of your mouth at that moment. You are not having a healthy and meaningful and emotionally connected conversation with your person. That certainly happens with our husband. It happens with our kids. It happens with our parents. Think about how many times you've had a conversation with your mom while really you're watching the clock and you're keeping an eye on the kids and all you're thinking about is, oh gosh, okay, I've got like two more minutes and then I got to hang up because we've got to make it to soccer practice and we're late every week. Oh, and da, 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 your mind keeps going. You're not really present in that conversation, even if your words are correct for whatever it is that you're talking about. So action step number two is to monitor and be aware of and use your words well. The words, the actual words that are coming out of your mouth, but also your tone of voice, your body language. You want to not only tell your people that you love them, that you care about them, that you're proud of them, that you think they're wonderful and they're fun and they're awesome and they're smart, but you also want to show that by making eye contact. You want to show that by biting your tongue um, maybe taking a break if you're frustrated or you're impatient and you don't want that to come out in the conversation. So our time is a huge way we love our family and our words are a huge way that we love our family. Let's talk about strategy number three, which takes probably a little bit more planning um, in advance, but the more that you get used to doing it, the more, <laughs> the more it just kind of flows into your everyday life. Um, and this is that it is really helpful to know the end goal. What is it that you want from your marriage? What is it that you want for your kids, for these family relationships? Because, why is this so important? Because it's so easy to get caught on autopilot. We've got our schedule. We've got our routine. I mean, my routine with my kids right now, they're 18 months. It is very, <laughs> it's very regulated. We get up at the same time every day. We eat breakfast, we go play, we go on a walk, we have a snack, we play some more, read some books, take a nap. Like it's very routine and it's so easy. It's so tempting to just kind of get caught in what are we doing? Let's go. What's the next thing? Okay. We know what's going to happen. I might be having a lot of quantity time there. Some of it even might be quality. My words, my tone of voice might all be wonderful, but if I'm doing all of that simply in a rut, and I don't really have an end goal of what do I want my relationship with my kids to look like? They're 18 months now. They're not going to be 18 months forever. What do I want this to look like when they're five, when they're 15? What do I want it to look like when they're 25, when they're 33? I don't want to think that far in the future, <laughs> but it's important. One of the ways that we love our family well is to know what our desired end goal is 
for the relationship. And once you know what that end goal is, then you can plan your events and your schedule to fit in toward that end goal, to move you toward that end goal. You can think of questions and conversations that you want to have that will move you toward that end goal. You can even make sure that your house rules are pointing you toward that end goal. One of our house rules is that we do not use technology at the dinner table. Now, frankly, right now, it's not difficult to use that rule, to follow that rule, because the kids are 18 months and dinner time is like chaos. <laughs> There's no time to be pulling out the phone or having the TV on or whatever it might be. Now, obviously, as they get older, this is going to be a rule we have to be more intentional about. But that rule serves a purpose because one of my end goals, one of our shared end goals with our kids is that we have purposeful conversation, that we know each other well, and that we share life together. Now, that's kind of, that, that's pretty big. That's pretty abstract. There certainly are ways that we've broken that down into more details. Um, another end goal that I have for my kids is that I want them to know Jesus Christ. I want them to have a personal relationship with him. And I can't, of course, completely control that. I can't control their faith, but I can control if we have a family devotional time at breakfast, even when they're fussing and they're screaming and we're rushing because we have maybe 90 seconds of their attentions right now. But you know what? I'm going to use that 90 seconds to pray, to read a Bible story, to sing a song. We have a whole little routine and I would say it goes really well like 10% of the time because, you know, hey, again, triplets, 18 months. But we have planned that into the day, into the routine because it moves us toward that end goal of their personal relationship with the Lord. So strategy number three is to think about and know what is my end goal of this relationship? What do I really want my marriage to look like? my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my in-laws. That's a, another one that's really helpful to know what is the desired outcome here. And then how can I ask questions, initiate conversation, plan my schedule, my events in a way that moves us toward that goal. Ultimately, this boils down to using our time and our words purposefully, not simply to be kind and respectful and caring, of course that's important, but also to move us forward in the relationship, in the direction that we want to go. This strategy also, just as a side note, maybe a little extra benefit, it really helps you to know when are things not quite on track. Um, and it gives you permission to say, okay, this schedule, this family calendar is too full. We just need to hit stop, not just pause, we're gonna stop. We're going to reassess. We're going to cancel some things. We're going to say no to some things. And that's a lot easier to do when you know why you're doing it. Um, because you can notice and be more aware if things are not moving in the right direction. And it gives you permission. <laughs> you always have permission, but it, it makes it feel a lot more comfortable for a lot of us to say no to this event or this request. Because it might be great. It might be fun, but it's not moving us toward the goal, the desired outcome for our family life, our home life, and our relationships. All right, so let's talk about strategy number four. One of the ways that we practically every single day can love our family well is to seek to know them as individual people. Now, what does this look like? It means we're asking questions, and it means we're listening actively when they answer those questions. We're not just smiling and nodding, 
Um, we don't want to just ask questions that we don't actually expect an answer to. Um, and, you know, that's really easy. My husband comes home at the end of the day. Uh, like I said before, dinner time is hectic. <laughs> it's chaos. He's walking in the door. The babies are fussing slash excited because daddy's home. And it's so easy to be like, hey, babe, how was your day? And I'm sure really easy for him to say, oh, yeah, it was great. And we move on. Now, is that a bad thing if that's our conversation once in a while? Of course not. But if I really want to have a great relationship with my husband, that needs to be an actual intentional question at least once in a while to say, hey, no, really, tell me, tell me about your day. Who'd you talk to? What'd you do? He's a teacher. How'd your classes go? Uh, what interactions did you have with the students? To ask questions and actually follow up on the answer um, to listen actively to that response because, of course, you can't control the response. I might be very genuine one day saying, hey, hun, how was your day? Tell me about it. Tell me about your classes. How did it go? I can't control if he gives me a really detailed, thorough, thoughtful response or if he says, oh, yeah, it was great. But I can follow up on that. Oh, I'm so glad it was great. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. You struggle with fourth period sometimes. How did that go today? You know, I can be more specific. I can follow up. And I can listen actively by making eye contact, by nodding, you know, while he's talking, by using my body language in a way that shows I'm actually listening. Um, when we're having this conversation, I'm listening to you. And th these sorts of interactions not only help us to have more knowledge about our family members, but it also shows them that we care about them. We are seeking to actually know them not just about them, but to have relationship with them, to have deep, meaningful relationship with them. And I wanna highlight one particular thing within this strategy. Yes, ask good questions, listen actively, follow up. But one of the best ways to do that, I mean, this is 2021, and trust me, I see this all the time. I see it in the counseling room. I see it when we go out to dinner. I see it at church. Put down the phone, put down the technology when you're talking with a family member really when you're talking with anybody, let's be honest, it's just polite. We always know in our own head, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just on Pinterest checking the recipe uh, so I can make sure that dinner turns out well. Or, you know, oh, I'm just checking this email because it was really important that I follow up with my boss about this thing at work. Those reasons might be perfectly legitimate to have my phone out during a conversation with my husband or my kids or my mother-in-law. But number one, they don't know the reason that's inside my head. And number two, even if I've told them that reason, which usually we have not, <laughs> what they see is typically more important than what we have said. And this certainly comes back to when we think about how do we use our words. We can say all the right things, but if our tone of voice is frustrated and angry and impatient, it really doesn't matter what we said because that's not the message that we're actually sending. And this completely plays out Put down your phone, turn off the TV, close your laptop when you're trying to have a real conversation with someone, especially if they have initiated the conversation. If your son comes up to you and asks you a question, you don't want to just answer while you're still scrolling on your phone. You want to put it down. This is going to take 15 seconds, right? Well, depending on the question, but you're going to put your phone down, look him in the eye and give him an answer. Does that change the course of your day? 
course not. Does it change the outcome of whatever you were doing on your phone? Probably not, unless his question is big and deep and takes a long conversation. But does that, if you're doing it on a regular basis, change the quality of your relationship with your son? Absolutely. So this is, I mean, I can, I'm probably already on my soapbox here. <laughs> I can certainly get on that soapbox and stay on it because I see this so often when I'm working with families that they, they say they want these deep relationships with each other, but when they're talking to each other, especially when the other person is asking a question or reaching out to them, um, and they're not putting down the phone, they're not shutting off that technology distraction, there is basically no way to have a deep and meaningful relationship. Now, of course, we're going to do that sometimes. Um, I do that. I'm very convicted by that sometimes with my kids. They're 18 months. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh, they don't really know what I'm saying. Although, they, of course, they know a lot more than I think they do. They can't talk back to me. We're not having a conversation. They're not asking me questions. But, of course, they're noticing if mommy is on her phone when they're bringing me a book or a stuffed animal or whatever it is and they're trying to engage with me. So, okay, my friends, soapbox over, but the strategy still stands. Strategy number four, how do we love our family well? Seek to know them. Ask questions, listen actively, and put down the phone. Shut off the technology, look them in the eye, even if it's a really quick little conversation that goes a long way in developing that meaningful, deep, connected relationship. Now, can you control if they do that for you? Not quite as much, um, but if you're modeling that for them and they experience what it's like to be heard like that, it's a lot more likely they're going to start doing it in response. Um, and it makes it easier if you do need to have a conversation to say, hey, would you mind putting your phone down while we have dinner or while we have this conversation? If you've already started setting that trend, modeling that, it's a lot easier to have that conversation. Okay, I said soapbox over, <laughs> then I kept going a little bit. Sorry about that, but it's important. Okay, we are here at strategy number five. Um, and you know, I was trying to come up with like some really cute little saying for this, uh, but it's just, it's a mouthful. <laughs> but, uh, but strategy number five, how do we love our family well, is we treat them like God's chosen and beloved people who are holy and dearly loved. Um, I'm reading that from Colossians. I'm just going to read this little passage from Colossians chapter 3. It's verses 12 to 17, uh, which really just paints a picture for us of how do we want to treat our family members. But it really, it does boil down to treating them as God's chosen and beloved people. If I'm interacting with my husband as a son of the holy God of the universe, not to mention as my brother in Christ, who I'm going to spend eternity with, it's a little easier maybe to treat him well um, and to show that love, that affection, that care. So here are these verses from Colossians 3, which paint us a picture of what this looks like. It says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since, as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, friends, we could have an entire episode, uh, probably multiple episodes, <laughs> digging into all of the meat that is there in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. But let's boil it down to simply saying, treat your family members as God's chosen and beloved people. And maybe let's add on to that verse 17. Whatever you do with your family, with your husband, with your mom, with your kids, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you interact with your family members, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, if you are compassionate and kind, if you are forgiving, if you are peace-filled, if you are talking about the message of Christ, if you are singing hymns and songs in the Spirit, if you have gratitude in your heart, you're going to have a better relationship with your family. So let's recap, my friend. We have five practical how-to strategies for loving your family well. Invest in quality and quantity time with each person in your family. Use your words well, including not just the actual words, but your tone of voice, your body language. Know what your end goal is for the relationship so that you can plan your conversations, your event, your schedule to meet those, to move toward those goals. Seek to know your family members. Ask them questions. Listen actively. Put down technology distractions when you're interacting with them. And finally, live out Colossians chapter 3. Treat them as God's chosen and beloved people. Now, my friend, you're not going to do all of these perfectly. <laughs> Certainly not all the time. Uh, Jesus did. And literally no one else as ever has. Okay, so don't be thinking, oh gosh, I don't do these things. The important thing is we try, that we pray and we ask God to give us the strength and the perseverance and the guidance to do these things. And if one of them really hit home for you, then that's probably a good spot to sit, to rest there with the Lord and to seek maybe over the next week, the next month, to really intentionally pour into that particular area with maybe every family member or maybe just a specific family member that you know you're struggling with. Okay, friend, we have gone a little longer than I like to go in this podcast. So let me just close by inviting you, if you haven't done the Relationship Reset free five-day email course, um, what I just said about pouring into a specific relationship where maybe there's some struggles, there's some disappointment, there's there's autopilot, you're stuck in a rut. That is going to be a really helpful, really straightforward and totally free email course that's really going to help you in that relationship. The link is in the show notes. Beyond that, hit subscribe, share about this with your friends and check back in with us next week as we dig into how do we love others well? What does that mean? Why is it important? And how do we do it? All right, hugs and blessings to you, my friend. I will talk with you soon.